of our partners, of course, as well. So it's going to be a privilege to go and to tell them about you and about this church and all that God is, is doing here. Uh, we also have Bob back here in the back from Orchard Farm Baptist out on 94, and, and um, excited to see all that God's doing through True Life Community Church. And sometimes we're just too close to it, really, to know what God is doing here. But I'm excited about what God is doing through True Life Community Church. And I uh, just can't wait to see what God's going to continue to do. Right now, we're raising up uh, three new uh, elder candidates and four new uh, candidates to be deacons. And so I've been really excited to spend time with them every Tuesday as we work through that. And um, I'm just so excited about the, the team that, that God is building here. Um, and I just can't wait to see the fruits uh, from what's going to come out of that. So keep, keep the church in your prayers and, and all that God is doing here. And uh, just be praying for these seats that are empty, that God will fill them up and, um, and that people, more people will come to know and hear the gospel of Jesus. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to get right into God's word. If you would pray with me. Dear Father, Lord, I, uh, through my weakness, Lord, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of every single person that's here. These, these parables that we're going through today, that um, there is heavenly meaning and purpose in all of these things. That Jesus tells these stories to all of us for a reason. He doesn't just say them just to say them, but he's teaching us something about, about your kingdom. And so, Lord, I pray as citizens, as children of, of you and of your kingdom, I pray, Lord, that you speak into our hearts about what you're wanting us to know through your precious and holy, perfect word. And all God's people said, amen. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13 as we look at some more of the parables that Jesus has, 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 teaches us. And we're going to look at two parables, specifically the parable of the weed and the parable of the hidden treasure. Now, the parable of the hidden treasure happens to be my favorite parable that Jesus tells. It's really, really short, but it's so very, very powerful. And so that will be coming up in a little bit. But I've titled this sermon, How to Live Amongst the Weeds. How to Live Amongst the Weeds. And that Jesus is revealing truth about his kingdom to us. So Matthew 13, we're going to go over again the parable of the weeds and the parable of the hidden treasure. Now, last week we went over the parable of the sower, and I'm going to cover that in just a little bit. But we talked about parables, and why did Jesus tell us parables, stories? And a parable really is a story, an, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Or a parable comes alongside of truth to help us to better understand some kingdom concept or some kingdom truth. And so this is a story that comes alongside of truth to help us to better understand. Now we see in Matthew 13, I'm not going to have this up on the board, I'm just going to read it to you. But Jesus explains to us specifically why he spoke in parables. Verse 34, and 30, or verse 34 and 35, he says, All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. It says, I will open my mouth in parables, and I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. And so Jesus spoke in parables, one, to fulfill prophecy. He also spoke in parables because if you remember last week, I said that 
the light and the heat can soften wax, but it can also harden clay. Now, Jesus was under tremendous pressure. He was drawing a lot of attention to himself. The religious people hated him. And so to kind of calm things down, it wasn't re- he wasn't ready to go to the cross yet, but he would use parables because it wouldn't stoke up the, the religious people or the people in the crowd when he told parables. So that was one reason that he talked in parables. And later, he would gather his disciples around and he would say, okay, this is what that meant. The third thing is, as we read there, it says that these were things that weren't revealed from the foundations of the world. So now we're in this new era of the church. Wasn't revealed these truths until the church was established. So Jesus is saying now, those things that have been hidden since the foundation of the world, I can tell you them now. Because it's this, this new testament, this new covenant, this new church, and these new truths that I am now revealing. That is the purpose of parables. So I wanted to ask you this question. Do you think the world is getting better or do you think it's getting worse? (laughs) I got a thumbs down. Thumbs down. What What about this new age of artificial intelligence? They say that it's going to make our world better, easier, we'll have more abundance than we've ever had in our lives. Isn't there some hope that the world could get better through technology? Is there some hope that the next election, like the election cycle is starting to heat up? Maybe if we elect the right person, if we can just get that right person in there, then the world would get better. It would just fix everything, right? Well, then I ask a question. Does God even want us to try to make this world better? Does he say, hey, focus on the world and all the problems of the world, and you, Nick, you can make all things right and all things better if you just try really hard? Is that what God wants from us? I want you to pick up in this parable that Jesus is teaching us and telling us how to live our lives in a corrupt world. That this is a broken, sinful, fallen world. We might as well get used to it. That's not going to change until Jesus comes back. This is not our home. Everyone knows that, right? Like, this is not our final home. We're just passing through. And that God holds the future. God alone holds the future of this world. So if you would, again, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, 24 through 30. The parable of the weeds. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seeds in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seeds in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, 
then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Do you imagine being there with this crowd and Jesus is teaching this parable? I mean, wouldn't that make you hungry for what is Jesus trying to tell us? It should make us hungry. It should make us thirst for the truth about what Jesus is trying to teach us. That we are reborn. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we are reborn. We are new into a new kingdom. And Jesus is teaching us these kingdom concepts of how we're living today and what things are going to look like. I would say the kingdom of God is different than this kingdom of this world that we live in. So we should understand these concepts. We should be hungry and thirsty for them. Because you live in this new kingdom. It's not perfect until Christ comes back. But you are now a new citizen of a new kingdom. And we should want to know what this means. And Jesus does not leave us hanging. He tells us exactly, and he tells his disciples, exactly what this means. So let's skip over to verse 36 through 43. Then he, Jesus, left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain this, explain to us the parable of the weed of the field. And he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. Doesn't leave us guessing. The sower of the good seed is Jesus. The field is the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers, the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father, who has ears Let him hear. Now, this couldn't be like an easy thing to hear. But isn't it sometimes good to just hear truth? Even if it is hard to know absolute truth, like is sometimes relieving, even though it's hard. And Jesus is saying here in verse 37 through 38 that the good seed are the believers, are the Christians that were sowed by Jesus, ruled by Jesus, King Jesus. Our King is Jesus. The bad seeds, the weeds, are the unbelievers, sown by Satan, ruled by Satan. And that the harvest is the end of the age when Jesus returns. You see, the people at that time, they wanted a utopia. Probably like a lot of us do today. We want things to be perfect and just and right. That's what we want. And the people at that time said, I want... I'm not trusting the government anymore. The Romans have come in. They messed it all up. There's lots of division, lots of war, lots of heartache. The only thing that we have left is to look for the Messiah. Look to the Messiah's return. Because he's going to come and make everything right. Everything will be put to normal. Everything will be back the way that it should be. And what happens? Like Jesus, he comes back. and it's not, He's not saying the things that they wanted. He's not doing the things that, that we want him, that they wanted him to do. 
And a lot of me can relate to that. Like a lot of times we're saying, God, we want you to do this. We want you to fix this world. We, we want you to get the right person in office. We, we, we want all these things. I, I, I don't want to be sick anymore. I don't, I don't want to have this heartache anymore. I don't, I don't want to have this struggle in my, in my marriage or whatever it may be. God doesn't always do the things we want the way that he wants, the way that we want it. So Jesus shows up on the scene. He, said, he proves that he is the Messiah, but he says, hey, guess what? I'm going to go die. I've got to go to the cross, and I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried and risen three days later. I'm going to come back, and then guess what? I'm going to heaven. And there's going to be a period of time that I'm not here. I'm in heaven. There's going to be these competing kingdoms, my kingdom and the world, ruled by Satan. That's not what the people wanted to hear. We just want it easy and the way that we want it. He says, this is the way it's going to look. This, this world that you're living in, this is the way it's going to look until I come back. Between Jesus ascending to heaven and his return to heaven, we see in these parables, the last one we looked at last week and the one we look at today, we looked at, we could see two principles, two things that are going to happen before Jesus' return on this earth. The first one, there's going to be a lot of gospel sown throughout the world. We looked at the parable of the sower last week, and that is all about spreading the word of God. He doesn't say, like, spread the word in this place. or He said, just spread the word of God, Let, leave the results to God. It's not up to you. It's not up to you where the seed falls, what type of heart that the, the seed falls on. It could fall on hard soil that just kind of bounces off and the enemy, the birds, come and take the seeds away. The truth of God never were able to penetrate someone's heart because it's too hard. The second one is that the seed fell on rocky soil. It spurted up really fast, but it didn't have very deep roots. And when the sun came out, when... When tribulations and trials and we get the scars of being a Christians come, say, I'm out. The heat is too much for me. My, my roots are not deep. And then it talks about a, a second, a third type of, of soil that, that we sow seeds onto. Someone's heart that it, it begins to grow. And it looks like it's all fine, but then the cares of the world and the riches of the world spring up and, and choke it out before it could ever produce fruit. That's the sad thing about that. It's like we, we overcome by the cares of this world, and there are many. If we become over-concerned with riches, that it could choke us out and never, never, ever produce fruit for the kingdom of God. And then the fourth type of soil that the, the gospel seed is sown onto, it's a, a soil that's ready to receive, and it, and it grows deep, deep roots get to know Jesus and in the word and prayer and part of a, a church body, like all these things that help you to grow deep roots. And then it says and you will, that type of soil produces fruit for the kingdom. That's where we all want to be. That's where we all want to be. So that is one thing in these parables that we see that will be happening before Jesus comes back. The second thing that we see will happen before Jesus comes back is there's going to be Believers and unbelievers planted right next to each other, all around us. 
and we don't know who's who. Jesus says, you don't have to know. I'm the master of the house. Like, I will determine at the end of the age who is who. It's got to be a little bit relieving, right? To me, it is. Jesus, there's two, there's two sowers in this story. Two sowers. One sows good and one sows evil. That's guaranteed. That's guaranteed to happen in this world until Jesus returns. The first sower is Jesus. He's sowing the good seeds, the good seed, the children of the kingdom, the children of God. That's what Jesus is sowing. And the second is the enemy or Satan. He, he's, sowing, he's sowing those uh, weeds, those tares into the wheat. And those are children of Satan, children of enemy, of the enemy. They are ruled by Satan, the ruler of this world. In John 12, 21, you can see the reference in the Bible where it calls Satan the ruler of this world. The ruler of those that have yet not to come into the kingdom of God, to be children of God. There are only two types of people in this world. You Read the, read the verse. Tell me if I'm wrong. That Jesus says there's two types of people in this world. One, children of God. And the other is children of Satan. There's only two teams. It's black and white. That, that we live in a broken, sinful world. Of two different types of seeds. So you may ask, well, why in the world does Satan sow bad seeds? Because he wants to try to destroy the wheat. He wants to try to destroy you. Your enemy is like a roaring lion, the Bible says, looking for someone to devour. He's not playing around. He is an enemy to God, and that makes him an enemy of yours. He's mischievous. He's looking as ways that he can devour you. He doesn't want you to grow up to be good seed, to produce fruit. Back in this time, everyone would understand these analogies of farming. And there was actually a law back then that says you cannot sow weeds when somebody is sowing wheat. Like it's, it's illegal because the enemy would come and do that. That would be terrible, right? Like if you imagine being a farmer out here and you're like two corns are growing at the same time and you can't tell the difference until they produce fruit. And then all of a sudden you realize that half of your crop is weeds. I mean, that would be pretty, pretty bad for someone to do that to you. It's your livelihood, right? But they had, a, they, had a, they had a law against that. Because the enemy would come along and sow imitation wheat after you sowed your wheat. And in this story, Jesus says that the servants noticed these weeds. They noticed them. Like the wheat had grown up and produced a little bit of a head, and all of a sudden they were like, whoa, 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 there's some weeds in here. And their reaction was, well, let's go and let's pull out all of the weeds. That would be my, I think that would be my reaction. But the wisdom of our God, the wisdom of the master of the house, as the Bible says, says, hold on, let's not do that. 
Let's just wait until it's harvest time, until we remove the weeds. The master of the house is wise. The reason that they looked like wheat is, is this, they called it darnell, darnell wheat. And they would sow this darnell wheat, and it would look just like wheat until the very last minute. So this enemy that we is in this world is out to get us. I always wonder, like, where these, like, Beverly Hillbilly names or I grew up in southern Missouri. I can talk about hillbillies. That's fine. I was, I am one. It was like Darnell or, like, uh, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro. It's like, hey, this comes from the Bible. Like, don't make fun of it. It's, these are biblical, biblical names. My grandma wanted to name me Toadie. It's a family name. I'm so glad my mom had the wisdom not to call me Toadie. Anybody know a Toadie? I don't I think a T, Toady, Toady, I'm not sure. I'm glad my mom had wisdom. I don't know, some of the things I think about when I'm reading the Bible. But, but this Darnell, it's uh, imitation wheat, looked exactly the same. And the reason that the house, the master of the house had enough wisdom to say, don't pull it out now, wait until the harvest, is because if you pull the Darnell wheat out, the roots are kind of intertwined, and it would pull out and destroy the real wheat. So the master of the house says, hey, just wait. Just wait until harvest time. I don't want to kill the good stuff. Let's just wait, and we'll do it at harvest. We'll do it at the end of the world. I'll send my angels. They'll know which one is real and which one is not. And that verse 41, I'm going to read that again to you if I can find it here. Verse 41, it says, the Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and lawlessness and throw them into the, into the fire. The reapers are the angels. The bad is the darnell. The good that goes into the barns as the children of God into heaven. Does the Bible say for you personally to identify the Darnell around you? It doesn't. It doesn't say that. This is not your job to identify the bad seed around you. It's not your job. It's the job of the angels at the end of the time. He says, I will take care of it at the end of the age. Which one is which? You stand firm where you are planted. And I ask, who is planted next to you? Is it a, is it a good, good weed or is it Darnell? I don't know. I'm not even asked to know. Jesus says, love your neighbor as you, as you love yourself. That's all he's asking you to do. But you do need to know what potentially could be growing around you. But it's not your responsibility to fix the world. Share the gospel. Be the light of the world around all of those that are around you. I thank God that I'm not the fixer of the world. You know? That's a, that's a lot of things to carry. 
You may have heard this expression, growing like a weed. Anybody use that? Somebody, okay. All right. Just grow like a weed. Isn't that like the world? Like it seems like a lot of weeds that are growing fast, faster and faster all the time. But I would say it shouldn't surprise you. The Bible tells us about the kingdom that we live in. So for the application for today, I ask this question. How do you get, how did you get planted where you are? Right where you are today. Like here at the church, at your home, in your neighborhood, whatever it may be. How did you get planted where you are? Jesus planted you there. He says, I'm the one planting. He planted you where you are. And a lot of us have this tendency to want to be replanted. We're we're never happy where we are. You are planted where God wants you. Your work, your school, your church, your neighborhood, your family. Even though you don't even want to see them in Thanksgiving coming up, you might not be, but that is where you are planted, whether you like it or not. Yes, go vote. Call your congressman. I'm not saying not to do that. But your job is not to clean up the world. Vernon McGee said this, We are called to fish in the pond, not clean up the pond. Jesus says, I will make you fishermen of men. Share the gospel. He didn't promise us how many fish we'd catch. He just says, go fish. Go spread the gospel. It's going to fall on all kinds of hearts. That's okay. Leave that up to me. You can make the biggest difference where you are planted right now, where God has planted you. And I hope that's relieving for you. There's only two kinds of people in the world, children of God that will be gathered into the barn, into heaven, and then children of Satan who will be thrown in the fiery furnace where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth forever. Jesus says, he, he who has ears, let him hear, hear, that everyone who is at Darnell has an invitation to become wheat. Everyone. Everyone. And how do I know that? Well, if you just keep reading the parable of the hidden treasure, one of my, my favorite parables in the Bible, one verse, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy the field. And if we've learned anything from these parables, that the person that goes, the man, which a man found this treasure in a field, the man is Jesus. And that field is the world. And that treasure is you. That treasure is you and everyone around you. Jesus, he paid it all for you to become wheat, to become a children, a, a child of God. That your sins separate you from a holy God forever, and there is no hope, no hope at all, outside of Christ to become wheat and to be to be gathered into 
the barns. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And the thing that I always circle in this parable is that word joy. It says, then in his joy, in his joy he goes and sells all, not some, not a little bit. He sells all that he has to buy you. He sells all that he has. That God would give all that he has, his son Jesus, to come to earth, to be ridiculed and spit on, to be misunderstood, to be tried to thrown off of a cliff from his own people that he grew up with, and to go to a cross, to endure, to die, to bleed, to take on the full wrath of God on that cross for you. He paid it all. There was nothing left that he could give for you, so that you could be made right with the Holy God, so that you could live with Him for eternity, that your sins would be covered, that you could be in the presence of a Holy God. For you, He sees you as a treasure, a treasure that's been purchased by the blood of Christ, worthy of the sacrifice of God Himself. I hope you see yourself as that today. It says it was his joy to do that. It was his joy to break his son on the cross so that you could be made into wheat. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus on harvest day, you will enter into the kingdom. If you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus, I want to tell you about faith just for a moment. I heard Billy Graham say this. He says, you got to have enough faith to even realize, even know that your wife didn't poison your coffee in the morning. Man, sorry. But you have to have faith, right? Like you drink that coffee, there's no poison in there. You have to have faith that you sit down on this chair that's going to hold you. We have faith in all kinds of things in this life. It's not a foreign concept. That's what the Bible says, to put your faith and trust in Christ, to trust it. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except for me. He said, just put your faith and trust in what I have done for you. You don't have to do anything. You can never be good enough. Stop trying to be good. You can't be good. Only Christ and His blood, your faith in Him, is the only thing that can make you good enough for God. Not guessing, not hoping, or not thinking about Jesus, but faith. Faith in who Jesus says that He is. To accept Him as Lord, to be reborn into this kingdom, and then dedicate your life to getting deep roots, to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. That's what He left us here for. We could have put our faith and trust in Jesus. He could have taken us to heaven tomorrow. But he says, I'm going to leave you there, planted where you are to grow deep roots so that you can produce fruit for the kingdom of God. That's why we're here. We have such a short period of time to do that. But it's not out of compulsion. It's not out of legalism. It's about out of love to realize how much God loves us through what Jesus did for us. And out of that love, we're we're happy to know God more, to love Him more.
If you've never been reborn from Darnell to wheat, all you got to do is ask God, come into my life, forgive me of my sins. Help me to know you more. That's all you got to do. Let us pray. Dear Father, Lord, uh, thank you for the best teacher this world has ever seen, and that is your son, Jesus. And he teaches us these principles, these truths in the Bible about who you are, and about who we are, and about the world that we live in. Lord, I pray these truths sink into our hearts. They help our roots to grow deeper, deeper in love with you, deeper in knowledge of you. Lord, for those that are here that are wheat, we thank you, Lord, that Jesus planted us right where we are. And that one day the angels will come and they will carry us into the barn. Lord, I pray for those that are around us. We don't know who they are. That are invitation. Those that the enemy have sown. I pray you would take what the enemy meant for evil and you would turn it to good. That through our lives, through our testimonies, through your word, that people would be coming from Darnell to Wheat. That they would come to know the one true Jesus. Lord, I pray that those that have not put their faith and trust in Jesus, that they are making that decision, that you are working in their heart to help them to understand that it is about faith and faith alone in what Jesus did for us. It's not about work so that no man may boast. They fall so much, so much deeper in love with Christ. And Lord, I pray for, uh, for everyone that's here that we live in a broken fallen sinful world but we would be reminded that you God are in charge that you only allow Satan to do his work for now but you are still on the throne and in this time and this kingdom that we're in in Christ that we are focused on you focused on producing fruit growing our roots being the light for those around us. And Lord, we look forward to that day when you return and you make all things right. Your kingdom becomes perfect and we live with you for eternity. We get to worship you. Lord, our hearts and our souls, we we yearn for that day of Christ's return. What a glorious day that's going to be. But until then, Lord, be with us. Help us. Help us to be just like Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you for another day to worship you here on earth. And all God's people said,